0: Welcome to the deep end. I am Ahmed, and joining me is my good friend and sports part Mo. How's
1: it going, everyone? Uh, I know it's been a while since we, we've uh, had some content out, and I want to be the first to say um, we're both truly sorry, but as you guys all know, life circumstances happen, and especially with everything going around right now, uh, you know, there's COVID, there's um, just everything, and then we also had... Um, Couple family matters to attend to, so aside from the COVID as well, um, so that's that's pretty much why we've been a little absent lately. But uh, we're gonna try our best to get back to our weekly schedule of episodes, and there's gonna be more social media content coming out. So I just want to say thank you guys for bearing with us. I don't know, uh, Ahmed, if you wanted to mention anything.
0: Yeah, no, I just wanted to piggyback off of uh, what you said. Uh, there's been a lot that has happened since the last time that we showed up on here. Um like he said, life circumstances, family matters. It's honestly mostly on me. I had a death in the family. I had a COVID scare for both me and my family, and I'm still pretty sick. I'm not I'm not I got I didn't get hit with COVID, but I'm still pretty sick um that plus a lot of scheduling issues that's basically the reason that we haven't been you know putting out content like we used to but i feel like we're past everything and that we're pretty much good to go so like most said we do appreciate you sticking around and we genuinely hope that this is going to be the last long break that we take And that 2022 is basically our year when it comes to content, both social media and podcast episodes. And I do apologize for my voice slash any coughing that does occur during this episode. I'm still a little bit sick. I'm kind of mostly out of it, but, like, I'm not totally there yet. So, you know, hopefully this is the only episode where you get to hear me like this.
1: Yeah, so pretty much like he said, I mean... And do our best. You know, no one can really plan for COVID or sickness or family emergencies, but we'll plan our best. I mean, we'll try our best to um, have everything be more regular. And kind of going off that, I mean, we have we did miss a lot of content. We did miss a lot of games. Um, so this episode is going to be kind of like we're just gonna sum everything up and just kind of go have like a nice brief um analysis of some games and. It's been a really hectic month in the Premier League. Uh, The month of December was pretty crazy. There was a lot of crazy games. So we we're just gonna kind of pick a game or two that stood out um, on our end and just kind of dive into it. So I'll get started. Uh, This game happened the day after Christmas on December 26. It was Man City and Leicester. And um, this game was a shootout. It was a plain old shootout and it was nice to see. However, I mean, in the first half hour, I I thought this game was over. Uh, Man City was up 4-0 after the 25-minute mark, so not even the half hour. So I literally thought this game was over. I did not turn off my TV, though, just because I did say to myself it was too early. I wasn't expecting a comeback or anything, but I did say it was too early. Maybe they'll snag a couple goals and make it interesting. And they definitely did. Uh, Leicester City made it very, very interesting. Uh, James Madison opened the scoring in the 55th minute for them, and then four minutes later, Lookman bagged the goal, and then maybe not even, like six six minutes later, uh, Ian Acho scored the third. So Man City found themselves... I mean, it was the first time I saw Man City like confused at, in the bag at the defense. They were... I don't want to say they were in shambles, but they were, they were kind of distraught uh, when all that was happening. It was just... Goal after goal after goal for Leicester. And um, Man City kind of fell asleep, I feel. And, I mean, obviously great teams are great teams. So Man City wasn't going to go down. And a lot of people, I think we all knew Man City wasn't going to go down like that. But Leicester did make it very interesting. And they're in first place for a reason. They have a stranglehold on the Premier League for a reason. And they showed that. uh, Raheem Sterling uh, scoring another he scored a penalty um aside from the other goal he scored in the first half in the second half he did score a penalty that kind of sealed it that was the last goal he scored an 87th minute that was the last goal and then uh uh a Laporte, the defenders scored as well um so six three it finished the thing with man city is they can really beat you anyway i mean however you want it you name it and they can beat you they can beat you without quote unquote a real striker they can beat you with defenders you see you know, João Cancel scoring goals. Ruben Diaz, Aymeric Laporte. All those guys can score goals. Gundogan can score goals whenever called upon. Uh, Mares obviously, is a goal-scoring threat. Sterling, obviously. Bernardo Silva, obviously. So it's just... They just have an embarrassment of riches on their team, is what I'd like to call it. And, I mean, when you have players like Phil Foden and Jack Grealish and Gabriel Jesus coming off the bench, it's, it's tough for anyone to beat this, this team. Like... I know in the beginning of the season maybe they didn't look so convincing and a lot of us were like oh they don't have a real striker oh you know this is that but pep the, the thing that i love about pep other than the fact that he's running a 433 with them uh as of late that's the formation that he ran at barca as well and I, I like that a lot but he he's he's transforming each player he's expanding each player's role so um is not just a defender he's not just a wing back. he's He's a goal scorer, he's a playmaker. Um, Kevin De Bruyne is not just a playmaker. He can he can take a step back a game and let someone else take over um that same game. It's just crazy. Like they just have so many weapons and I don't think I mean to sum it up really, I I don't think they're gonna they're first in the division in the Premier League now, I don't think they're gonna lose this lead on the division and on the league, I'm sorry. So I don't know. It's just tough for any team any team to win and I mean, just a couple stats that I found interesting from this game as well. Um, Leicester being down 4-0 inside twenty seven inside 25 minutes it is the first time a side found themselves four goals down that early in a Premier League game since uh, Watford were down 4-0 against also Man City in September 2019 after... Watford were down 4-0 after 15 minutes against Man City in 2019. So Man City has has a track record of just... You know, putting it on teams early, albeit Leicester did almost come back, and so you still recovered. So that game just was really, really good for me because we saw two sides of Man City. We saw him come out swinging early, and we saw him respond. to Leicester scoring the quick three goals on him.
0: Right. Um. You make a really, you make a lot of good points. Uh, Man City, obviously they're. We we did talk about them not you know not having a true striker maybe them having like a little bit of a down year, uh clearly that was wrong because um the last time that we actually saw Man City lose was on October thirtieth when they lost two 0 nothing to Crystal Palace, so there's that um they actually had yeah like I said they've been undefeated ever since and you bring up a lot of good points mainly being that Pep Guardiola is really Making the best out of these players. He's not really going by the book, in which I mean that we have players that are, you know, excelling very much this year. I'm talking mainly about Bernardo Silva and Joao Cancelo. Uh, Bernardo Silva was purely a wing player under Guardiola's system in the past couple of years, ever since he joined this team. And uh, Joao Cancelo, he's not even a left back, he's technically like a natural right back. Now, Bernardo Silva, ever since he's been switched to the midfield, he's basically become the striker now, like, unofficially. And, you know, he's just been on the tear. He's been—he's definitely been the MVP of, you know, Manchester City so far. You know, scoring goals, making assists, getting these plays in. He's definitely the most dangerous offensive player on that squad right there, right like at this moment. And Joao Cancelo, he's truly making the case— to being named player of the year this year because, you know, he can basically do it all. We're talking about assists, we're talking about goals, we're talking about, you know, defensive adjustments, we're talking about defense in itself. He's been on a tear this year. He's definitely been the most impressive defender in my eyes this year. Usually, something like that usually goes to and Alexander-Arnold, who is just out of this world when it comes to what he does on the pitch for Liverpool, but now, Joao Cancelo has definitely been that guy this year. Um, you know, there are a couple honorable mentions in there. Like I said, Taa, he's always done. Do, he's always doing his thing, but we're kind of used to him doing this thing. So seeing Joao Cancelo really excel in that role is 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 really something to behold, and just you know, just goes to show you how much of a genius Guardiola is when it comes to adjusting and getting the best out of his players. But uh, yeah, no, they've they've built City have built a pretty sizable lead in the Premier League so far. I believe right now the, the they're up what ten points, eleven points on second place, and I don't see them losing anytime soon. Like I said, their last loss came in came on October thirtieth, which is literally more than two months ago. And you know, I would say that it's smooth sailing for the rest of the season since they've up until now they've had a really good, you know, strategy or they've had, they've had pretty good luck on avoiding COVID because as we all know, you know, there's been a lot of postponements in the Premier league. There's all, there's also been a lot of players that got hit with the COVID virus. Um, Man City have done a good job avoiding that up until today when it was reported that seven players plus Pap Guardiola, they got hit with COVID. Now, I don't know how that's going to affect them going forward. We don't even know the identity of these seven players. We don't know if they're, like, you know, players that get regular game time. Or we're talking about bench players, maybe. So, we don't know how Man City is going to move forward with this. But at the same time, the last time we doubted Man City, when they did have a true striker, they just went on a tear and started winning and winning and winning without, you know, letting up and having any losses. Only, like, a rare loss or a draw every now and then. But it's been mostly wins for Man City since then, so I'm not going to do the mistake of doubting them again. Um, you know, heading over to the other side of town, you know, Liverpool, you know, their rivals. They've had a pretty okay month. They could have had a better month, I guess. You know, they, they the first two weeks, it was smooth sailing for them. They were pretty re- winning every single game. But since... That December 16th game against Spurs they've kind of you know not they haven't been doing that well um they have tied I believe their last three games if not no they've tied two games and they lost one game to Leicester City and you know like it's it's been tough for Liverpool they just haven't been finding the stride against other teams And that's understandable because, you know, Liverpool are going through kind of a weird period right now. They've had a lot of injuries um, throughout the season. Plus, they've been hit with COVID a few times. You know, Jurgen Klopp even has been off the touchline a couple times. We've had players such as, you know, Joe Gomez. We've talked about Van Dijk. We're talking about Fabinho, Jordan Henderson. A lot of really mainstay players, a lot of, you know, big rotation players um, have been hit with COVID. And you know they've been trying to adjust. I've I believe they've had what two games postponed until now, one of them being a league game, um, that was supposed to be played on December twenty sixth, I believe, the Boxing Day uh, game against uh, Watford, I believe. And they re- they they were supposed to be a game played tonight, uh, the first leg of the uh, semifinal in the Carabao Cup against Arsenal. Uh, that was postponed after Liverpool made countless um requests for it to be postponed. Because they've had, you know, like I said, COVID cases, plus injuries, plus now they've had, a, they have a couple of players who are not on the squad because they've left for international duty for the Afcon tournament. Uh those players being uh, Sadio Mane, Mohamed Salah, and uh, uh, Naby Keita. So it's been a really tough month for Liverpool. Uh, I did want to mention that I find that the game between Liverpool and Chelsea, that um happened during on january 2nd i I feel like that was a really good game because you know it it did end up finishing 2-2 um but the game itself was pretty interesting because you know chelsea and liverpool they feel i feel like they've been neck and neck the entire season they've been Mm -hmm. you know you know they've always had they've always in the beginning of the season the first i think couple games we're talking about like the first six or seven games whenever liverpool had won Chelsea had won. Whenever Liverpool had tied, Chelsea had tied. So I feel like they've been going neck and neck all season. They've been kind of be really just finding it out for that second spot, that second place spot. And you know, it's it was it was a pretty interesting game. I remember watching the game pretty closely. It was it was it was very interesting. It was very well matched up between both teams. Uh, Sadio Mane he scored in the first eight minutes. Um, it was it was pretty bad to see. It was it was Trevor Chaloba. He was he's the Chelsea defender. Uh kind of made a pretty bad mistake on defense side and They took advantage of that and he ended up, you know, scoring a beautiful goal after rounding Edward Mendy. It was it was it was fantastic. Um it kind of looked like smooth sailing for Liverpool in the beginning because they actually doubled their lead a couple minutes later, I think about 15 20 minutes later. Um, It was a beautiful, beautiful through pass from uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold from midfield. You know, Salah literally just, you know, running down the right wing, you know, kind of cutting in, slashing in um, into the box. And he chipped Edouard Mendy in the most beautiful way. He was very much up close. It kind of looked like, you know, Mendy kind of had a hand on it. It was a tough angle, too. It definitely was. It definitely was. I don't know how he, you know, found the composure within himself to really score that. And, uh, like I said, Liverpool doubled the lead pretty early on. And it kind of looked like, you know, with a couple of defensive adjustments, it kind of felt like, you know, Liverpool had this game in the bag. And this game really, really would have helped them in the standings because they definitely need- needed these three points, especially against a team that they're basically neck and neck with. Um. But you know, it just wasn't in the cards for them because uh, right before, I believe the end of the first half, uh, Mateo Kovačić she had a beautiful, beautiful shot. Um, it was it was like a basically like a rainbow shot, like a rainbow chip kind of uh, from outside the box. And um, Allison Becker, he was not the starting keeper for this game because I believe he was hit with COVID right before the game. Um, I, I I believe he was the young goalkeeper. I think his name is Keller or something like that. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce his name. Um, yeah, he's he's not a bad keeper. And it was a fantastic strike by Kovacic, but I do feel like it was kind of an easy save. Maybe a keeper with more experience, maybe a little bit, you know, someone who's a little bit older. He could have, um, you know, kind of saved it. But I'm not going to discredit Kovacic's strike because it really was a beautiful shot. A um, couple minutes later, I believe it was like four minutes later, Christian Pulisic, you know, coming in from a threaded N'Golo Kante pass, you know, he just ran down kind of like the middle of the field and just, you know, scored again. Pretty easy stuff for Pulisic, who's been on a tear lately. And, you know, going into halftime, it's 2-2. They they did all they could. In the second half, both Chelsea and Liverpool attacked as much as they could. And it was just, you know, neck and neck. The entire second half, no one could really get the upper hand on the other person. And the game ended up finishing 2-2. With that, Chelsea stays second with 43 points. And, you know, Liverpool just stuck in third, basically, with Arsenal being in fourth. Liverpool do have a game in hand, though, so that could kind of change how things look moving forward. But until then, just basically how it is, Man City in first, uh, Chelsea in second, Liverpool in third, Arsenal um, in fourth. And I don't want to get too much into what Arsenal's been doing because, you know, it, there's a lot to talk about, but they've been on a tear. They've definitely been, like, a, on a tear. It's, it's really crazy to see. You know, thinking about how much they struggled in the beginning of the season compared to what they've been doing now. Um, And and the reasons for Arsenal's, you know, streak. uh, It's crazy to see that it's not coming from the veterans such as Aubameyang, who is definitely, he's currently not playing anymore because of uh, disciplinary reasons. He's been stripped of the captaincy. Uh, It's mostly coming in from the youth players. Uh, namely being uh, Aaron Ramsdale and uh, Emil Smith Rowe.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, like you have
0: been doing for that squad is just—it's really nice to see that it's been, you know, the Arsenal have a very solid future going forward because of these players.
1: Yeah, Arsenal's been doing a lot of great stuff, but to kind of um, pick up where you left off on the Liverpool game. Uh, I thought both keepers were amazing. Uh, Eduard Mendy had some really nice saves. Uh, Kelleher also had some good saves, um, but the Mateo Kovačić goal was just world class. I mean, he was backpedaling, he was outside the box, and he somehow hit it super cleanly, like as he's backpedaling too. It's just nuts, like the way he hit it. And for it to he knew exactly what he was doing when he was hitting it too. That was not an accident. Even though his his body mechanics might have been a little off, but you know exactly what he was doing and that was a great strike and then captain america christian pulisic um he uh he had, he also scored a goal after that to even it up but yeah that was just um that whole game was like you said it was really back and forth um i mean mendy made some great saves especially against mane which is interesting because they're their teammates you know both uh, uh senegalese so yeah, it's it's almost like he kind of knew what Mane was was doing when they would get into like those like close to one on one situations. He kind of read his mind a couple times, and he got the best uh, better of him. But yeah, that game is that game was was a very good game. It was uh, number two against number three, and whole Arsenal point. Uh, they've been they've been doing great, and their lineups have been on point. And I don't think it's a surprise that ever since um, Abba has been out, they've been doing better because when he was playing as of lately, they were still winning, but he was not contributing at all. You can tell something was up. Like Even mentally with him, it looked like he wasn't all there. So he just wasn't present in the game, it seemed. I don't know. It was weird. He it was kind of in a funk. Um, Lacazette's been playing great. Uh, Maren Odegaard's been playing amazing, too. Like He's been playing really well the past four or five games. Um, he's making dangerous passes. He's Doing really well in set taking set pieces. Emil Smith Rose come off the bench the past couple games, but his impact off the bench has been really really good too. So Arsenal have a lot have a lot going for him, especially the goalkeeper Aaron Ramsdale, who's been just insane. Um, clean sheet after clean sheet. He's been he's been really good. He's been making some crazy saves out of this world. Um, but to kind of piggyback off uh, what I was saying about Sadio Mane and uh, Edward Mendy, we're going to dive into the AFCON, African Cup of Nations. There are a f- more than a few uh, notable Premier League players going to play. Um, I'll let you talk about that, Hamid, but I'm going to kind of go into just like the impact of it all and how it's going to impact a lot of teams because I think that uh, teams are going to lose a lot of their good players and then they're going to that's this is where we're going to see how deep teams really are and how can how they can really like you know figure it out and play um without their star players, you know. So um just just the fact that it's a long tournament too and you're going to need and your players are going to be out for about a month, you know, if not maybe 3 weeks. So this is where you see the managers really dig into their bag of tricks and uh and kind of show us what they got and their tactics and everything. So I think the big teams will be fine, like Liverpool, Chelsea, you know, those kind of teams will be okay. But what I'm worried about are like the Crystal Palaces of the world, um, you know, Newcastle, all those other teams that are like lower in the table, Watford, all that stuff. Um, I know those teams, who knows, maybe they'll suffer I, nothing's for sure I don't wanna I don't wanna say they're gonna for sure like drop or fall or whatever, but this is where depth is really tested and I don't know how good those teams are with depth. I don't know how good their depth is on their roster. So we'll see, but I'll kind of let um Ahmed go through you know the notable players on the big teams because I know there's a lot of players maybe I know I didn't know a lot of them were you know represented representing African nations. Um, maybe you guys aren't familiar as well so hopefully this will be you know a pleasant surprise for you guys to find out like where these spirits actually from
0: right (laughs) uh before i really get into the analysis of you know which team is going to miss which player i did want to talk about the controversy surrounding this tournament um as we all know the Afcon isn't usually hosted in the middle of the year it's kind of like a summer kind of thing but with the world cup coming in near the end of this year coming up in november you know it's not really fair for these african teams to go through a major tournament a couple months before the world cup so it was decided a while back that it was going to be you know during the you know mid-season point um for these domestic leagues um and that wasn't exactly popular with a lot of teams. I know it wasn't popular for you know, people such as Liverpool, who are going to be without both their wingers now. And being you know, Saudi Omani and Mohamed Salah, um, there's that. And not even just that, there was kind of an issue. You know, a lot of teams they weren't exactly open to sending their players for their you know to the respective countries. And things like that, but you know, it it happens. Um. And and there was like I said before, there were a few issues surrounding this. Um, FIFA mostly they wanted to postpone the uh, tournament until June, and um, and their statement they had said that you know they they do not really consider this like a major tournament, like compared to, you know, let's say the World Cup or the Euros, in which the African, you know, the African, I I forgot what the organization is called, but like, you know, the people in charge of the tournament, the AFCON tournament, they kind of fired back at FIFA saying, you know, if if we were a European tournament, you would have no problem, you know, letting this tournament continue and not wanting to, you know, postpone it. Um, That was kind of a little saga that happened, you know, in the in the beginning of December, but you know, I guess they got over it now and the tournament is going to go ahead as planned. Um but yeah, there are definitely a lot of players, you know, missing from the respective teams, a lot of players that have international duties over over in, you know, the African and a couple of nations. Uh I actually have a full list here that I uh that I have that I that I uh got a couple of uh days ago um it gives you like a full list like you know starting from arsenal down to the last team and the players that are not going to be available um arsenal they have a pretty good amount of players not playing nothing too you know devastating for them but we are talking about four main players thomas party um, uh, who plays for ghana you have Mohammed al-nilni who always you know he obviously pays for egypt uh, we have a Aubameyang. You know, usually this would be a pretty big hit for Arsenal, but seeing as he doesn't really get play time, you know, in the first place due to his dis- disciplinary issues, um, you know, it's not really a big deal for Arsenal. Uh, I-, I honestly could see Yang, um He's been rumored to leave Arsenal during this transfer window during the month of January. I could see that happening under the right offer. Um, yeah, like I said, you know, not a lot of. Not a lot of, you know, bad things for Arsenal. Not, you know, they're not suffering much without Aubameyang. And the last pair is Nicolas Pepe, who plays for Ivory Coast. So, they're going to have a lot of rotation players missing, you know, going forward. But I do believe that they're going to manage. Because, like I said, the reason that they've been on the tear lately are due to players such as Aaron Ramsdale and Emil Smithero, who obviously do not play for any African teams. So, I think they're going to be going, you know, I think they're going to be fine moving forward um you know Aston Villa Aston Villa they have two players um uh, Amutrasa who is Egyptian and Bertrand Traore who plays for Burkina Faso so there's there's that uh, I really don't think that that team is going to suffer very much because Trasegate literally just came back from an injury he was pl- he was playing with the under 21s like 2 weeks ago and he made his season debut i believe like a couple days ago even so, Aston Villa, they've been in, you know, okay, decent form ever since Steven Gerrard took over the team. I do not believe that they're going to be affected much. Triari was a pretty good rotation player for the team. But, you know, like I said, in the grand scheme of things, I think Aston Villa is going to be pretty much the same move forward. Uh, Brentford, the newcomer to the Premier League, they only have one player. Uh, his name is Frank Onyeka, who is Nigerian. Uh, he doesn't really get that much play time. He's kind of mostly a player just to fill out the bench or to come on during, you know, injury troubles, things like that. So, Brentford are fine moving forward. Um, Chelsea. um, They're the next team with a notable player out. I feel like if I go through every team in the Premier League, it's going to take a while. So, I could just go through, like, the major players.
1: Um,
0: yeah. Chelsea. Chelsea, they have Edouard Mendy out. Edouard Mendy is definitely the anchor of that defense. You know, the guy that keeps who's in charge of mostly all the clean sheets in the Premier League. Um, they do have Kepa Arizo Balaga as the backup goalkeeper. But, you know, and Kepa is technically still the world's most expensive goalkeeper at the moment. But ever since Edward Mendy's come on, you know, he's been on the bench. And I'm not sure how informed he is. How much, I'm not sure how fit he is on the bench. But he better be because Chelsea—they really, you know, they want to do their best to secure that second spot and try to make a run at first, you know, in case City decides to struggle. But not having Eduard Mendy, who plays for Senegal, by the way, um, is is going to be really tough for Chelsea moving forward. Um, Crystal Palace, Crystal Palace are going to be missing, uh, Chico Kuyate, who has been a. You know he's been okay. He's been hit or miss for them on defense mostly. Um, their major struggles are gonna come on offense because they're gonna be missing Jordan Ayu and Wilfred Zaha. With Wilf- Wilfred Zaha, I mean, who are they're basically the two strikers for Crystal Palace. So that's that's kind of an issue.
1: Yep, that's what um, I was alluding to when I was saying that. Like they're they're gonna have a tough time recovering.
0: Yeah, yeah, they've 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 already been struggling on defense on, on offense mostly. Them missing, basically, the two guys in charge of their offense is going to be really tough for them. Um, Everton. Everton are going to be missing Alex Iobe, who is Nigerian. Alex Iobe has been serviceable as a right mid, sometimes a right wing for uh, Everton. So okay. I don't really see Everton struggling much. I mean, they obviously are struggling at the moment under Benitez. Um they're just not winning games that they should be winning and it's to the point where they're actually discussing maybe firing Rafa Benitez even though he's only been in charge for 4 months so they're they're kind of going through it right now but I don't think IOB is going to really add to their, you know, their struggles at the moment um, Leicester City Leicester City are going to be missing kind of a, you know, a lot of players uh, Daniel Amarte, who uh, plays for Ghana, he's a defender. He's been doing okay for Leicester so far. He's been in okay form when he's not when he hasn't been injured. Uh, Nampalys uh Wilfred Ndidi, and Higuaino—they are all gone. I feel like they're mostly like they're not G- they're they're not like the Jamie Vardis, the James Madisons, the Harvey Barnes of the team. I feel like Leicester City is going to be like ma- fine moving forward. But they really are going to have to, you know, rely on the star power, the star power of that team instead of the bench like they used to.
1: Yeah, I mean, for them also, um, Daka, where's he from? I know he's. I don't know if his country's playing, but he's been he's been doing really well for Leicester City. So yeah, I do remember where he's from.
0: Yeah, no, he's been doing all right. Uh, he's he's not going to be heading to Afcon. I'm not exactly sure where he's from, but mm-hmm. I, I do not know. But he's, he is staying on the team, which is nice to okay. see because, like you said, he's been on the tear. Uh, for Leicester City, like I mentioned, they're really going to have to rely on um the star power that they have. The the players that I mentioned, you know, players such as uh, Jamie Vardy and James Madison and Harvey Barnes and Yuri Tailmans. They've all been, you know, really, really good for uh, Leicester City this season. And Leicester City, they have a lot. They have a pretty deep rotation, but with this AFCON tournament... That's basically been skimmed down, so. Um, onto Liverpool. I feel like Liverpool, it's without a doubt, I feel like they're the team that's going to struggle mostly without these players, or they have the most important players of the tournament, basically, because you have Mo Salah, who has, you know, been the best player so far this season, not just for Liverpool, arguably in the entire league. Um... You have Nebi Keita, who has been—he's been okay. He's had—he's actually had a bigger role this season, you know, compared to years past. So that—that's—that's going to be an issue. And um, as we all know, like Liverpool's midfield is not like star-studded. They don't have a lot of like great players in the midfield. Like, sure, they have some pretty decent players when it comes to like defense and playmaking, but whereas, if we're going to talk about offensive mid players, Keita was that guy for them this year. So, him not being there for the next couple of weeks is going to be really, really tough for Liverpool. I really hope they can work it out with the with the subs. I really hope that Thiago can really step in and do his thing for Liverpool, kind of give us a flash of the past that you know we've been used to seeing throughout his entire career. Um, the last player on Liverpool, is Sadio Mane, who is uh, heading over to Senegal, and like I said, it's going to be really tough for Liverpool. Going to be really tough for Liverpool moving forward.
1: Yeah, I think like you said, it's not that they have the most players out. It's like numbers-wise, they have the most important players out to their team. So exactly. I, I think I think they're the team that's we're going to see, I don't want to say maybe drop points, but they might maybe tie or you know maybe scrape by. But at the same time, those guys are going to be out for a while, depending on how far their teams go. Mm-hmm. Egypt might not go as far. I would say Senegal would probably go to the final. They're, they're actually my pick to win it all. But um, yeah. yeah, they're Liverpool's still definitely going to struggle the most. Right. Sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, Manchester City—they're uh, going to be missing Riyad Mahrez, who has been a pretty big part of the 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 team this year. But like we mentioned before, Manchester City—they've been on the tier this year. They've had a like a luxury of players at their fingertips, who you know, players who have been in form. He is a big part of that squad, but I don't really feel like Manchester City is going to struggle without him. Do you know what I mean?
1: Nah, uh, they, they, they're they going to be fine. Pep's going to find a way to make it work. I, th- I think they'll be okay without him.
0: Talking about just Mahrez being missing, yeah, I don't think they're going to struggle moving forward, but if we're going to talk about the COVID cases that we mentioned before, we don't know how that's going to play out for them, so there's that. Um... Yeah, other than that, the major players missing um, for Watford, Ismaili Asar, who is heading over to Senegal. Uh, Emmanuel Dennis, who has been on a tear this season. He specifically requested um, to not play for his, uh, for his team. He is Nigerian. Um, there's been kind of a rift between... Watford, and the AFCON, you know, organization, they kind of, they've been in kind of informed this, this you know, these past couple of games, uh, Emmanuel Dennis being mainly the reason for them, players such as Ismail Assar doing the same thing, so they've been kind of hesitant hesitant to really send their players over to their African um, teams, but, um, yeah, Emmanuel Dennis is staying, Ismail Assar is heading over to Senegal, I think he last player who definitely makes an impact who's not going to be available moving forward is Saeed Ben Rahma, uh, the Algerian. And he's he's been a really solid player for West Ham so far, but, you know, the past couple of games, I feel like he's really taken a backseat to Bruce Bowen, who has been on a tear uh, recently. Bowen. Yeah, or Barry Bowen, I'm sorry. Uh, Barrett Bowen, who's been on tear recently, and I I just, I don't know, I feel like he's been the best offensive player the past couple of games, even more than, you know, Antonio, even more than Suchek, even more than, um, you know, other players such as Lanzini. I do know that Lanzini had a fantastic game last time around, but if we're going to talk about consistency, uh, no, Barrett Bowen has definitely been that guy for West Ham so far.
1: Yeah, I think, um, uh, I think yeah, like you said it's it's it, West Ham's not going to suffer a lot. Um I actually just looked at Liverpool's schedule so they might they might have a chance to get away with it because they're facing Brentford in the league and Crystal Palace who like you said is going to be suffering as well uh from losing players. They might get away with drawing both those games. I don't see them really losing even without Mane and Salah. those teams maybe Brentford could surprise them. But their next game after that is um, Leicester City, February 10th, which it probably should be back by then. At least one player should be back by then. Probably Salah with Egypt, uh, assuming they don't make it to the final. But if they do, then they'd have to play without those two players against Leicester. But I think they should they should be all right. They should keep their third place uh, for sure.
0: Right now, moving on to the FCON tournament itself. Now that we know who's going... Um I don't have a lot of knowledge on the African teams, but I do watch enough to know that basically there are three contenders for this tournament. Um, we're talking about Egypt, we're talking about Senegal, and we're talking about Algeria. Um I can make a case for why each one could win. And I will. Uh, but I am gonna give my prediction at the end. Um, when it comes to Egypt, Egypt, they they have the best player. They have the best African player, that being Mo Salah. And he's been the best player for both club and country this year, obviously. Um, do I think that Egypt have enough in it to get past the likes of Nigeria, Senegal, Algeria, these other teams? No. Um, Do I think that they're going to go far in this tournament? Maybe. I do feel like they're going to go past the group stages, maybe make that final four before losing to someone. Um, I just don't feel like Salah has a good enough supporting cast to really make some noise in this tournament. Um, Also considering that the coach isn't really taking this tournament seriously. He's not as taking it as seriously as the other coaches of these African teams he was actually quoted a couple of weeks ago saying like, you know, I'm going to be there for the African Cup of Nations, but you guys should know that I signed with Egypt as the coach to get them to the World Cup and make some noise on the World Cup. I did not sign on for this African Cup of Nations. It kind of just shows where his priorities are when it comes to like who he's taking to these, to these tournaments, what he's going to do for these tournaments. I feel like he's not going to give his 100% in this tournament, hmm. which is kind of the smart thing to do because <laughs> excuse me. Kind of the smart thing to do because you know the World Cup is a World Cup. I'm not saying that Egypt's gonna go win win the World Cup, but making some noise in the World Cup compared to the African nations is they're two different things entirely. Yeah. Um Yeah. Yeah. Uh my second contender, uh Senegal. Senegal one hundred percent has the best squad on paper because we're talking we're talking about a, a lot of solid players like all over the map we're talking about Sadio Mane on the wing we're talking about Assar. we're talking about Khalid Koulibaly who was still one of the most feared defenders in Europe like yeah he's getting up there in age and he's he's stuck on a team that doesn't really make a lot of noise when it comes to the grand scheme of things but Khalida Koulibaly is still a fantastic defender um we have you know Edward Mundy between the sticks we have Sarr, the player from Bayern Munich, who's been making some noise as the backup, uh, backup right-back for Bayern Munich. We have uh, Diallo coming in from Manchester United. We have Kouyete coming in from Crystal Palace. We have Imp- Nampales Mendy coming in from Leicester City. We have Gay, who is uh who plays for Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, definitely, definitely their most consistent player in the midfield. So that's, that's, a, lot, that's a lot of good players on that team. Which is, like I said, in my eyes, Senegal, it's theirs to lose at the moment. Because, like I said, on paper, they have the best squad. Now, the only reason to say on paper is because I do believe that there's a better team, not when it comes to names, when it it comes to chemistry, and that team is Algeria. Algeria, they have some fantastic chemistry. They don't have a lot of star players, on this team, they are mostly players from, like, you know, the Algerian League, maybe a couple of international players, like I said, such as, you know, Riyad Mahrez and Said Bin Rahma. But the chemistry that these players have together is really impressive to see. They they are definitely the most dangerous team in Africa at the moment, and I feel like that they're the only team who's gonna really go far in those World Cup, like, I would not be surprised to see like a quarterfinals finish for Algeria, which is which is in itself something very, very impressive for an African team.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with uh, two of the teams you said. However, I'm going to make a change to that. I think Senegal, like you said, Senegal is going to probably go all the way, in my opinion. Algeria, it's this, this going to be a good final between them and Algeria, I think. My third team... Uh, is going to be Morocco instead of Egypt. Uh, I just don't think Egypt has the collective strength when to make some noise in this tournament. It's because what I've seen during qualification and just international play, that they really. Uh, Salah is kind of a different player with the national team. He doesn't carry them like he carries Liverpool. Uh, and that's just that we've seen that before. You know, it happens with a lot of star players. But I think Morocco has, has a say in this tournament as well. Uh, he, however, uh, Hakim Ziyech is not going to be part of the team, which I was kind of surprised about, but they still do have players like Ashraf Hakimi, PSG, uh, Al Haddadi, uh, Roman Saiz, uh, who plays at Wolves, Yaseed Buna, uh, Bonu, who's a really good goalkeeper at Sevilla, uh, Yusuf and Nasiri, also a Sevilla man. You have Abdi Azouadi. He's a young Barca man who's been making a splash lately with his play. And there's a lot. They have a lot of a lot of really good players that they. I feel like they just don't get the shine they they deserve in Africa. But I feel like they have a really 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 good team, very solid. And also another team I'm going to put in there for honorable mention is uh, Tunisia. I mean, we saw what they did uh, in the Cup uh, in the uh, Arab Cup. Granted, it wasn't against great competition and it wasn't against many first teams. But, you know, I think they surprised us a lot with their play. And uh, a couple of their players um, made, made a splash on the scene. Uh, Yusuf Imsekni, uh Wabi Khazri, uh, a bunch of other guys. For Jenny Sassi, um, people in Egypt uh, know these two guys, him and uh, Ali Malul. And they both played uh, Egyptian League uh, for the two best teams in the league, probably. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good teams in Africa. Ghana's good too. And Algeria has some good pieces. So I think this is going to be a better tournament than people uh, than people think it is. I think it's going to be very fun, very entertaining. Uh, I personally see uh, Senegal walking away with it, and possibly them and Algeria in the final, depending on how you know everything shapes out. But yeah, for me it's either Senegal or Algeria winning this and I'm probably just gonna go with uh Senegal um as my pick to win it all.
0: Yeah. I, I think I can agree with you on that. You do make a lot of good points for, you know, Tunisia. You know, they, they recently come off that amazing run of form in the uh era cup. Um but like I said, you know, names matter. It's not just about chemistry, it's not just about you know, recent run of form, we do have to also take talent into consideration. And when it comes to talent, Senegal definitely takes the cake on that one. Um, I do agree with you, Senegal. I do. I feel like it's going to be like a senegal Algeria final. And that would be really, really good to see. Um, yeah. Yeah. When it comes to the African Cup of Nations, that's pretty much it. Uh, moving forward, uh, it is January 7th at the moment, for me at least, um, as of this episode, which means we've been one week into the winter transfer window so far, and it's been kind of quiet, you know, not a lot has been going on. I think the most, the biggest deals that we've probably seen, we're talking about Kieran Trippier. Transferring from um, Atletico in Madrid to Newcastle, this would be Newcastle's first major purchase ever since that Saudi takeover. Um, he's been he's been an okay right back. I, I he does play for England. He is an English national or a British national. I mean, so having him come back to the Premier League is always something that it's going to be nice. Uh, I'm not sure how he really helps. Newcastle's defense moving forward, um I feel like Newcastle have a lot of issues, a lot of you know problems mainly in the midfield and maybe in the attack. They have a lot of you know issues with consistency um, yeah not not really a big splash when it comes to players being transferred. But it is the biggest deal so far. I think maybe the other big or the big note, like the big deal worth mentioning is Andre Onana, who is serving a suspension for a God knows what it was, but it was something that he did, you know, that he took unintentionally. And he was serving a nine month suspension. He used to play for Ajax, Um, he signed for Inter. And he's not even going to be joining Inter until the summer. He's just literally setting a pre-contract at the moment. Um, Other than that, not a lot has really been going on in the transfer window. I think the other big deal that's been worth mentioning so far is Felipe Coutinho, who is currently discussing a move to the Premier League. Um, There were reports that up to five Premier League clubs have been in contact with Barcelona. We do not know all the identities of these clubs, but I do know that the most serious buyer is Eston Villa.
1: Yeah, I mean, as as far as the, the Barca um, stuff is concerned, I mean, there's been a lot of rumors going around, and we did pick up uh, Ferran Torres, who's yet to play, but we'll um, see when he does start playing. Uh, we did pick him up. And they're thinking of offloading Usman Dembele, which is fine. I don't mind offloading him just because even though he has been playing great, for us, he's just too much of a what if. One game he can be really good, one game he can be bad, uh, then he can be injured for the whole season. So I feel like we need something more consistent. Um, uh, Joan uh, Laporta, uh, who's Barca's president, he came out and said. We're gonna be back. We're gonna be signing big name players. Watch out. We're saying he was alluding to signing uh, Erling Holland. So I mean, we'll see. I'm not putting. I'm not putting. I'm not gonna get my hopes up. So I'm just gonna kind of wait and see what happens. But I'm kind of satisfied with the whole Ferran Torres signing. I'm not upset about it. Uh, It just remains to be seen how he's gonna play. I think Chavi will. Find a good spot for him and the team, and find a way to plug him in, and for him to work well. He can, I mean, he can be false nine. Uh, he can play on the wings. So I think, I think he's good for us. But as far as other transfers, um, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. We'll see who we get.
0: Yeah, uh, gonna be really. Uh, when it comes to the potential that this transfer window has, um, there's definitely a lot of potential. I'm not sure who like who's who's really going where. I do know that the, the, there's there's been a lot of rumors. That's just basically it, but when it comes to things formulating, um yeah, not a not much has happened so far. The two transfer deals that I mentioned by the way, they were strictly for the Premier League. If we're going to talk about the biggest deal so far worldwide, um it, it is definitely Ferran Torres to Barcelona uh 55 million coming in from Manchester City uh he took a pay cut for his wages he has a 1 billion uh euro release contract or yeah release clause on his contract so a lot of big numbers for Ferran Torres who is fantastic a spanish international who does really well with the spanish national team when he plays there and also you know when he was playing for Manchester City before his injury he was also doing very well. He was basically Ferran Torres' main. I mean, he was basically Pep Guardiola's main um, option, main guy who played striker when Gabriel Jesus came off the bench. Um, so no, that's a very solid pickup for Barcelona. And I kind of, I, I do, I do feel like I'm starting to really get the vision of what Barcelona's trying to do. They're trying to, you know, rebuild through the youth system. They're trying to rebuild with the young players. And I can definitely see them being a problem a couple of years down the line, because like I mentioned, they have a lot of young players on that squad who've been doing really well so far under Javi.
1: Yeah. I think, I think like I, like I said, in episodes before this, uh, I'm going to repeat myself, but pretty much. Yeah. Like you said, we're going to be ready. And, and, uh, in a few years time which is fine i've learned to accept that as well as each barca fan should learn to accept that so i think um i think we're good um i think that was a good episode i don't know i don't really have anything else to add about anything i think we covered everything pretty well I'll give you guys a nice brief uh brief rundown of what was going on and what's to happen like i said hopefully we will be on track and try to get back to our regular schedule um hamed if you have anything to add Please feel free.
0: Yeah, no. Um, you're obviously the Barca expert when it comes to these things. Um, like I said, a lot of solid young players, dude. We're talking about we're talking about Gavi. We're talking about um uh, Migueza, we're talking about Rojo, we're talking about Anto There's a lot of really, really good potential for these players moving forward. And, um, yeah, it's been crazy to see. It's been crazy to see for Barcelona. Uh, I do give it about two seasons. Yeah, probably two seasons before Barcelona really comes back into being one of the more, you know, respectable or, or challenging clubs in Europe like they used to be. So, yeah, there's definitely that.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um okay. So I think we covered everything. Do you have uh, anything else you want to add?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I would just like to apologize again for the um you know the absence that we had. Uh full transparency, I am not going to lie to you guys. It is mostly my fault. Um and when I say my fault, I mean like it's mostly on my end. Uh, Mo's been there. He's been he's been one of the more he's been much more consistent than you know anyone would like to be. He's been fantastic so far. Uh, but like I said, the the in the last thirty days, I've had my mother contracting COVID. I've had you know a a member of my family passing away. I've had my father being extremely sick. I'm still extremely sick. Um. I've had a new job coming in with a new schedule entirely. Um, it's 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 been really tough, but I do appreciate most patience with me. I appreciate you guys being patient, waiting for new content. Um, I I do genuinely hope that this is the last big break that we're taking, and that twenty twenty two is going to be filled with content for you guys, because we're just we're ready to to really put ourselves out there. And we do appreciate all of you who listen to the podcast regularly. Um, we do, again, we apologize for the absence. Hopefully this is the last time.
1: Yeah, all right, cool, man. We said it all. And like we said, life happens, guys. So, again, thank you so much for being patient with us. And we'll get back to daily uh, uploads of uh, about our social media, keeping you guys in the loop with episodes and everything. Okay. Well, that does it episode 11 in the books, guys. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you later. Peace.